Greetings ladies and managers, and welcome to this latest video for Retreat Hell, taken from the subreddit HFY. The link to the original is down below, and if you enjoy the story, head over there and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, there are many ways to do so, also, strangely enough, listed down below. Don't forget to subscribe, or we'll have a platoon of angry cat-like creatures attacking you in your sleep. Anyways, on to the sci-fi. Just a quick shout out to the T5 peeps. Bob the Dragon, Cat Crab Lobster, Data Magnet, Dark Machine, Mezik, Try Again 95, Feudic Yol, Astrea the Dreamer, Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Athelia, Meridian 117, and Jordan Buxmorm. Thank you very much. Retreat Hull, Chapter 16, Part 2 Fourth time's the charm, Bradford asked as they walked out, half an hour later, resettling her backpack. She'd picked up a couple souvenirs she thought her parents would like, and had come out several silver trams in positive after trading a flashlight and batteries, but Rin hadn't found anything that he was looking for. Maybe, he said, his ears swinging low. The day was more than half over, and he hadn't found a hint of his old stuff. They might not even be in any of the shops at all. Hey, Bradford said, putting a hand on his shoulder. We've still got the most of the afternoon left. We might still find something. She nodded at the next storefront. Let's try this one out. It looks promising. Right, he said, perking up his ears. Plenty of sunshine still left in the day. He tapped her shoulder with his tail in thanks before stepping through the door. Moving around a rack of trinkets, he found his optimism returning. I've got a good feeling about this place. Something about it smells familiar. Rin, Hayat, God's brief. I can't believe it's you. Rin froze, his ears shooting up. It can't be. He slowly turned towards the shop counter, the only other person in the store. But I... It is you. Above and below, I recognize at snow anywhere. Uh, Uncle Ian. His ears swung to point behind him. This swung back to lock onto the shopkeeper. Aside from the smear of white around the muzzle and salt and pepper speckles scattered through his fur, he was a midnight black as Rin. I thought you were dead. Aye, I fear it was same for you, lad, he said in his head. It's been too long. He waved Rin over. Come over in here and have me have a look at you. And I haven't seen you since you was barely more than a whip. Rin chuckled, stepping over the counter, Bradford following behind. Not since two, three years before I left for university. Aye, lad, he smiled. I reckon it's been a dozen years or so, or more at least, and my, you've grown up. He yipped a laugh. But ain't ya mistaken no snow to yours? Gods above, I could see it half a mile away. My uncle, Ian. Yren flinched his ears low and put a hand on his nose in embarrassment. Aye. Ian leaned over the counter, pointing at him. For all the opposite snows it could be, your mother and father's were, and you've gone and inherited both of them. He grinned, twirling an ear at Bradford. Luck as may be for you, as dashing as is, eyes look it. Rin gave a sheepish grin back, tugging at a horn. Aye, but you're enough with the blossom and easing with your old Uncle Iron, he said, pushing himself back upright. How've you been, lad? In the royal O's now, I hear. Yeah, he yipped, and cleared his throat. Yes, I'm second artificer now. Been so for a while. I'm actually assigned to work with the humans now, he grinned. Even been to their world a couple times. Oh, look at you, speaking all fancy proper like, and running off to those branches of yours, always dreaming about. 
He shook his head, breaking his ear at Banford. Oh, and all this young lass you bring to my shop. Oh, above and below my manners. Rin's ears flickered up in embarrassment. Uncle Uyan, this is Sergeant Bradford. Sergeant Bradford, this is Uncle Uyan. He gestured between the two, his ears perked up as his tail twitched eagerly. Bradford saved my life at Eigensfield. If she and her squad hadn't showed up as they did, I wouldn't be here today. Ian's ears shot up, and he gave Bradford an appreciative nod. I fell in with her squad after the battle, and was assigned to work with her and her battalion. She's a fierce warrior, damn fine marine, as they say, and a friend. He practically beamed with pride, his tail bumping her with affection. Bradford blushed and rubbed the back of her neck as she smiled and returned, uncomfortable with the praise. Aye, oh, and if she can decide a fellow face in lack of fur, Ian said, leaning forwards, written while even giving her an appraising look up and down. She's a right fine gotch, and you have lost, ain't she? Rin's ears flattened against the back of his skull, and his eyes shot eyed with mortification. Bradford's smile disappeared, and she gave Rin's uncle a dead face stare. Oyun kept grinning, his eyes on Bradford as he leaned a little closer to Rin. She can understand every word I say, can't she? Yes, I can, she yipped, and the gunned tongue, still holding a dead face stare. Ah, he said, sweeping into a low bow as the counter in front of him would allow. Forgive me, lass, for a dirty old man. Bradford snorted and smiled. My family has been in the Marines since my great-grandfather went off to fight in the Second World War. She struggled a bit with the pronunciation, but Ukayani was mostly correct. I've heard worse. You've all gimme gratitude, Ian said, bowing again with a humble sweep of his ears. I weren't if I were proprietary at all. You are Rin's uncle, she asked. Rin smiled and called me fish. Oh, I... Ian said, and then waggled an ear. Now I ain't my blood mind, as an old pal and me was all of us about mates. Like brothers we was, even or we ain't. And it is families on me like a my own, and mine was like theirs. What are you doing here? Red asked. Last I heard you were in business in Scenaria. Oh, I was, he said. I was even determined, I'd say, that I was God-spied elf moved in. Finally saw sense after the second breakout, and I packed in. We're in of the last groups for the final breakout. He frowned, his ears swinging low. Watch him stack the city and raise him from the highest point. I was there, Rin said. We were trying to break the siege, but only had a fourth of the ninth banners and only half of the ninth itinerary. He shook his head. We didn't have the strength to drive them off, but we hit them hard when we saw them making a breakout. Kept half of their army pinned on our side of the city walls until after the last breakout got clear, before they threw us back. His ears drooped. Lord General Kalai ordered us to quit the field when they breached the walls. There was nothing we could do. Bastards knew it too. They didn't even give a chase. Aye, Oyen nodded. He lifted his ears. But we've walls changing now, innit? With our new friends in here and all. He gave Bradford a smile, dipping an ear at her. Upped in with the gods on them, so I've heard. Good old-fashioned freedom by overwhelming firepower, Bradford said, returning the smile. How long have you been here, Uncle Oyen? Rin said. The host was here for weeks before the portal opened. I know I must have been in this very shop before, yet I never saw you. I set up business on night for three years ago, Ian said, scrunching up his nose and ears in a bit of thought. Maybe I've a bit less. 
Only a couple months after the sunrise. Had some dealings here before, and already owed the shop. But used I was warehouse mostly. He scratched his cheek. Was a Ghanaian when he had a couple months working in business, and caught in the missus. Only go back in maybe a week ago. He frowned, his ears cocking in annoyance. Had a bloke who were supposed to run the shop while I was gone. And both the blighters skinned out with me, Ricky's bastard, showed up across the river. He shrugged. Left me with Len saying I'd lock everything up, took his last pay, and all off for Kalayaka. What's this? My uncle Ian finally finding a wife and settling down. I'd never... Ian said, his ears flicking up in mock outrage, before he sticked them back down with a sly grin, leaning on his countertop. But I did make an honest go, I had me old eye on a sweet old lass, proper lady she, he grinned. She didn't buy the lick of me charm, but uh, she still stopped in and gave me an hour of every day. He sighed, straightening back up with a slow waggle of his ears. But I weren't a bean, believe I or don't, but she were where you weren't ready and sell down. She wanted to buy more adventure, and old Uncle Ian was looking for a vase day. He shook his head. Go, me shop and rye business, here and the road, and as kin of my old bones as I once were. Leaning forward, he reached out and tapped Rinse Not. Big enough about me, how about you? You finish yourself with the last, yeah? He said, turning to ear towards Bradford. Nah, Rinse said, shaking his head. Hard to find someone when we're always marching from one fight to the next, with barely time to piss in between, he shrugged. Besides, if the host needed me to have a wife, they'd have issued me one by now. Oh, you and your blouser, Ian waved him off. You'll fill yourself a lass sooner or later, and perhaps closer, and might think. He gave Rin a smile before slapping the counter. No, how can old Ian get you for years? I came in here with a purpose. Could see it even after I caught sight of your snout of yours. Well, we're looking for my kid, actually, Rin said, his ears waggling in the swinging back. And anything I had in it. By the time I got back to camp after half the host routed, my whole square's pavilion had either been trampled and looted or hauled off, and all of my gear was gone. My tulu, my soleil, all my things, but most importantly, his ear had sagged. Mom's wedding bands. I kept them in my trunk, and everything's gone. Ian frowned, his ears swinging back. Ah, the right damn shame, it is, he said, and frowned. Unfortunately, I ain't seen stuff of or the yellow infant of yours. He cocked his head and ears. I don't always question a saucer me, you ass, but if you know what I mean, and don't pay much mind on who buys them, beyond good business sense, but I would have hung on to those. Scratching his snout, he stared into the distance past his shop window. I do know a bloke, fought like as might something you might be looking for. There's all a yari around that way. He's an old lot of warlocks, gods and lie. If you know what I mean. He'll haggle and connive a demon for his mother. Father's and a good bloke. You think you'll have it? Ren asked, his ears perking up. If anyone has your kit, it'll mostly like be him. Ian said, straightening. If you and left me from the front door, round for the end of the lane and next the next one over, and then down to the square, you'll find him in the blind green door at the far corner. Thanks, Uncle Owen, he said. 
his feet already itching to go. Me ohm is your ohm, I said, breaking his ears at rim. Make sure you come and visit now that you know the old Uncle Iron is ain't dead, and where I'm living and such. I will, Red said, already halfway to the door. He caught Bradford smiling as she followed. And alas, Iron called, stepping around the counter. You take care of him now, you hear? I can take care of myself, Uncle Iron, Ren said, rolling his ears as he glared at him over his shoulder. You weren't always so good at keeping yourself to yourself growing up, Iron said, breaking an ear at Ren, paying more mind to keeping others' tails out of the mud than your own. I'll make sure he keeps his tail out of the mud, Bradford said, giving Ren a wink. We do not have any tails for him to mind. See you do, lass, Iron said. I'm sure you'll need I. He waved him away. Now go on and get one with finding your mum's wedding bands. She'll hunt me forever if I were the reason you must get him back. I'll be back to visit Uncle Iron, maybe, in a few days, Red said, turning back to the door. See you do, young man. We've got a lot of chatting to catch up to. Iron smiled, waving an ear at them as they left. You owe me fifty bucks, Kowalski said, downing a shop before turning to lean against the bar and grin at Gomez. All the bits match up pretty fucking well. Gomez dismissed the debt with a wave, downing a large mug of some kind of ale in several large gulps. He set the mug down, a big, dumb grin on his face. Dude, they think we're huge. Kowalski laughed, rolling his eyes and waved at the bartender. He wiggled his glass to signal for a refill. Bro, they always say you're huge. A trilling yip drifted down from above. Kowalski looked up to see a sultry, striped woman leaning over the rail, waving at them. Draining the last of his mug, Gomez pushed away from the bar and headed back towards the stairs. Duty calls. Chuckling and shaking his head at the younger marine and wistful memories, Kowalski downed his second shot. A third hand slipped up his arm and his elbow was nestled in between a pair of breasts. Lonely, a cream-colored woman with dark speckles and spots said, leaning her snout onto his shoulder. He felt her tail run up his spine. He turned, giving her a look up and down to take her in. She ain't that exotic chick, but damn, if she don't have a fine hair, oh, absolutely. She smiled, her ears flicking up as her hand slid down his arm to take his, as she led him up towards the stairs. In high spirits, Ren and Bradford quick marched down the lane and around the corner to the next street over. Green door, she said, nodding across the square. It is the green door, Ren said, nodding as he pulled her across the square. A bell rang as they walked through the door. Looks a lot like the same things that Rin's uncle's shop, Bradford said as she moved past Rin, further into the shop. But many of these things looked like they came from a civil war or revolutionary war reenactment camp. The bell rang again and Bradford stepped around the display stand. Ha! Huh. He looks like a badger, he thought. Glancing over her shoulder at the distinctly surprised Kishman, he barely looked around the shop before he turned and walked back out. Guess it wasn't a place he was looking for. Stepping further into the shop, Bradford froze at the sudden goggle in her guts. Oh. Oh no. Glancing around, she spotted the shopkeeper. Um, excuse me, she said, holding very still as her guts goggled again. I need to, um, what was the word? Yes, the shopkeeper said. I need to, um... Damn it, I never asked that word. He frowned, both ears tilting to his right. What is it you need? I... I ate a lot of Kalanzi. Ah! His ears swung back as he nodded, sudden understanding. There is a public outhouse across the square. 
He nodded out the shop window. It stands alone. You can't miss it. Doing an about face, semi-double time towards the door. Rin, I'll be back. Gotta use the head. I told you, he called after her, shaking his head and wagging his ears with a smile. I'll wait for you out front if you're not back before I'm done. She only had time to wave at him before she was out the door and sprinting across the square. Crap, 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 literally. Almost at the outhouse, she stumbled as her guts cramped, but it passed without disaster. Definitely not going to make it through another one of those. Thank God I'm here and it's not occupied. She thought as she pushed through the door. And thank God I brought field wipes, she added, glancing at a box of corncob-looking husks sitting next to the bench seat. Dropping her backpack, another cramp hit and she unbuckled her pants. Ah, feck, she muttered as she scrambled to pop the stays off her shirt. Her rear hit the bench with no time to spare as the cramp turned into a violent contraction. I hope she makes it, Rin thought, chuckling to himself and trying not to be too amused by her discomfort. Flicking the image of that potential disaster out of his mind, he moved over to the glass display case built into the main counter. Raising his hands on the glass countertop, he looked down and froze. That's... I think that's them. Something catch your eye, lad, the shopkeeper said, walking over. Yeah, he said, his ears locked on the pair of gold wristbands. These wedding bands here are... <clears throat> he coughed and he started again. These wedding bands... He tapped the glass. For the human girl, the shopkeeper quirked an ear at him, then rolled it with a shrug as he opened up the case. No he whispered, still staring at the bands, then shook his head, closing his eyes. No, he said more firmly, his eyes still closed. Engraved inside does one say Tassin Ayat, and the other Rayu Ayat, and like an endless river in both. Ren heard the shopkeeper set the box on the counter. Why, yes, yes they do. He opened his eyes to see a man frowning at him. His ears quirked low. How did you know... I am second artificer Brunayat. They were my mother and father, he said, meeting the man's eyes. They became my mother's when father died of tallow fever just before the war. He gently reached out and touched the star engraved on Ryu Ayat, and I took them from my mother's charred remains after the elves sacked Lalay. He touched the star engraved next to Tassin. It wasn't as clean. He wasn't a jeweler and he hadn't had the time to find one on the campaign. It was stolen from me, along with the rest of my kit, during the rout of Eigenspield. The shopkeeper's ears swung back against his skull. I had never been to Eigenspield. I do not doubt that, Ren held the man's gaze, his ears sweeping back to match the angle of his horns. I would like them back, and anything else of mine that was just pawned to you. The shopkeeper placed his hands on the box. I'm sorry, but I purchased these from a reputable collector in fair trade. I can't just hand them over to anyone. Ren kept his eyes fixed in place, locking them with the man. They rightfully belong to me. Be that as it may, the shopkeeper shifted uncomfortably under Ren's gaze. They were purchased in fair trade. My claim to them is valid and my possession of them is lawful. He shifted again, his ears flicked to the rear. But I empathize with your circumstance. I can sell them to you for a discount. As a stream of items clattered onto the countertop, as Run emptied his bag of all human trade goods he had left. There are human pens that have the ink built into them, with the smooth point that won't tear paper unless you gouge it with them, he said, tapping one of two identical boxes. There are twenty in each. He tapped the next item. 
This is a magnifying glass for better quality than you will ever find in the Yuggen High. And this, he tapped the last item, is a calculating machine. It'll perform any standard arithmetic flawlessly, without error, as fast as you can touch the numbers. The shopkeeper's ears swung forward as he described each item, his eyes growing wide as he leaned forward in interest. Did this, uh, reputable collector trade anything else with my mother's wedding bands? When asked, dropping a hand on the last of his trade goods. The shopkeeper's ears twitched for a moment. Then he took a deep breath. Let me check my records, he said. He checked a marker in case, then disappeared into the back, taking a box with the wedding bands with him. Patience, Rin told himself, clenching and unclenching his fist. Just a little patience. Several minutes later, the shopkeeper returned. He wore a small set of spectacles on his snout and carried a receipt in one hand and a couple items. There are only a few other things I purchased from thy collector. He set the items on the counter. Rin recognized his grooming kit, handed down from his father and his father's father, and a box he kept his medals in. Squinting at the receipt through his spectacles, the shopkeeper moved around the room, collecting a few other items. His dress uniform, extra rank insignia, and a deck of cards he'd bought three years ago and rarely used. His mess kit and a few other items were set on the counter, but he didn't recognize them. These are mine, he said, sorting his things. That's all I want. He opened his metal box and flicked an ear, surprised to find them still there. He quickly sorted through them to make sure that none were missing, and noticed the shopkeeper's ears twitch when he pulled out the golden cayenne star of valor. I wonder if he knows what it is, he thought, with an ear twitch of his own. Not many who earn it survive to wear it. He closed the box. Were there any instruments, a tulu or a soleil? The shopkeeper shook his head. No, this is all I purchased. He had a few other things, but nothing I was interested in, and no instruments. I would have bought any that weren't broken. Ren nodded and looked down at his things with a sigh. I wish I could just take my things as mine. I'll give you a box of pens and the magnifying glass. I wouldn't give you the wedding bands for all of those, all of it, and twenty crowns. And you would rob me twice, Ren snorted, collecting his trade goods. I was making a deal only to save myself time. I'll summon the constable and have all my things back without paying a tog. He turned his back and started walking towards the door. Wait, the shopkeeper called. Ren paused. I'll only ask for ten crowns. He took a step. Fine, fine, even trade. He took another step. Look, I'll give you twenty drams plus your things for the lot. You won't find a better deal than that or anywhere. Bearing the victorious smile, Rin turned and marched back to the counter. I'll give you a list of things to be on alert for, and you'll send word to me at the human fort at the portal. So long as you give me the meaning of the symbols and the arithmetic artifice. Agreed. Rin set his trade goods on the counter and held out a hand. The shopkeeper shook it. A few minutes and a couple exchanged notes later, Rin was walking out of the shop, winning bands in hand, stepping out of the door. He glanced around, but he didn't see Bradford. He noticed a short line starting to form at the public outhouse across the square and twitched an ear at amusement. Glancing down at the box in his hands, he took the backpack off and carefully tucked them away inside. Not sure how long he would be waiting, he rummaged around inside the pack and pulled out a candy bar. I think a bit of celebration is in order. He resettled the pack on his back and opened a brown wrapper with a grin. I love these things, he thought, and took a bite. He closed his eyes, savoring the sweet chocolate, caramel, and nutty crunch with a sigh. Today, 
has been a good day. Hearing footsteps approaching, he opened his eyes, hoping to see Bradford. Instead, he found a distinctly striped pike leader, backed with a squad of pikemen. All were familiar faces. Koloi, you're alive. I thought you were all dead. Of course we're alive, Koloi stared. I was you who was presumed dead, conveniently left uncorrected. What? I've been spare me a yacht. Seize him. The soldiers leapt forward, caught off guard, not expecting a fight. They were on him before he could react. He dropped his candy bar and resisted, but he was quickly wrestled to his knees. Second artificer, Ryan Ayat, you are charged with desertion. What? No. He struggled against the four Kishmen holding him. I've been. He was cut off as something slammed into the back of his head, leaving him dazed. Gag him and bind his hands as well. The line commander will want to see him immediately. That hit like a bad night at a Taco Bell, Bradford thought, straightening her uniform and giving it a quick inspection for cleanliness. She grabbed a pack of field wipes and took a cautious glance at the hole. Huh, that's their sewer system. Better than I was expecting. She stowed her field wipes and swung her pack over her shoulders, then paused. Probably not a good idea to do, do anything downstream of this place. Shrugging, she unlatched the door and opened it. Outside, she was greeted by a chorus of surprised ear flicks from a small line of Kishman, followed by a wave of wrinkled snouts as the air inside wafted out. Ah, yeah, uh, that's not a good smell. Um, Galanzi, she said, stepping out of the shack. She received a couple understanding nods. Might want to, um, uh, light a match, she said, before squaring her cover and her head and hurrying away. God, I'm just going to find Ren and get the feck out of here, she thought. All but a quick marching across the square. Approaching the green door, she didn't see Ren outside, but she didn't notice something out of place on the ground. She reached down and picked up a half-eaten candy bar. The feck, she frowned, narrowing her eyes. Something isn't right. She looked at the ground, carefully stepping up and back, looking for anything else out of place. Cobble, grass, dirt. She tucked the candy bar into her pocket. The dirt scuffed, but that could be from anything. She turned in place, casting a more appraising eye about the square, but saw nothing that stood out. Turning back to the green door, she marched inside, glancing around as if doffed to cover. She noted Rin's absence and quickly strode over to the shopkeeper. The man that was... He cleared his throat. The man that was with me when I was in here before. Where is he? He left a short time ago, he said, licking his ears at the door. Yes, I see he's gone, Bradford said, giving him an annoyed look. No crap, Sherlock. Did you see where he go? What happened to him? I, uh, yes. Uh, some soldiers of the host met him outside my door, took him away. What? She frowned. Why? I don't know. He held up his hands, his ears flicking back, but he wasn't taken willingly. Where? Her eyes narrowed. I don't know where they're taking him. He shook his head, his ears flicking down, then back up. But I would guess the army camp. Do you know where it is? Yes, she said, then paused, but not from here. Go right out my door and down the street. When you reach the cross street, go left and then left again at the second street. Follow it to the end and you'll be at the main road through the town. Turn right on that and the royal host and refugee camps will be between the town and the wall. She nodded, repeating the directions. Thank you, she said, squaring her cover on her head. With an about face, she marched out the shop. She turned right and strode down the street, putting a phone out of her pocket. She paused at the corner to send a mass text. Shields is in trouble. Meet me at the Kishman army camp. Stuffing her phone back in her pocket, she quick marched down the street. No one 
past dead, stayed away. End of part two. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. There are links down below, both to support this channel and for the author of this fiction. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.